one, two, three. <laughs> Hello and welcome to our next episode. Oh, we just started. I thought I was clapping before we got anywhere. Up for but discussion. we just yes, up for discussion. Well, hello, sweetie. <laughs> um, so I'm super excited about what Johnny's gonna share today. Usually we're pretty back and forth, it's a discussion. Today, it might be a little bit more of a sermon, and it happens to be one of my favorite ones that Johnny has preached before, and it's so relevant to where we are right now. So I want to encourage you to grab your Bible and um, dig into the Word with us today. I've got mine, and um, we're going to be, little hint, we're going to be in 1 Kings, and we're going to be in 2 Corinthians. And... You know, Johnny first preached this message um, really years ago, and it had to do with something that at the time, the emphasis was a little bit more on one thing than it is on now. Today, I think we can all relate because this is Elijah confronting Baal, and there's nothing new under the sun. We're experiencing the same enemy. He tries to reinvent himself and you know, he, he counterfeits everything that he can about God. We, we, have, we have a father who has, you know, so many names, so many nuances of who he is and what he's like. And I think that the enemy also tries to go under these, he, he brands himself as different entities. And, you know, of course, typically we refer to him as Satan, but he was originally Lucifer. And here we see him as Baal. And, um, I think that we're going to find some similarities between not only how Baal um, impacted society at that time, back in the day that we're going to read about, but how Baal, literally Baal worship, and just same thing, maybe a little, little different way of us seeing it here in our culture. But there are some lessons that we can learn from how Elijah confronted Baal and actually had victory over Baal. And, you know, this isn't just some Bible story that, you know, is like a fairy tale. This is real. This was a true, real confrontation that happened in the natural and in the spirit realm at the same time. And clearly what is being confronted right now in our generation is happening in the natural realm and in the spirit realm. And so it's it's never about one or the other. It's always about both. And we're going to get some insight from uh, the revelation the Lord's given you about this particular story. So where would you want to start today, Mr. Wonderful? Well, so the two ver- chapters you're speaking of, and, and where I want you to read a verses, couple verses in just a minute, is 2 Corinthians 10 on spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare dynamics. And then we're going to go to 1 Kings 18. Again, Elizabeth's telling you about the well-known story when Elijah has to take on the prophets of Baal. And as you say, Baal, we can consider him, you know, he's a worker of Satan, as Satan. But we also, we even, you know, list him as the principality over the mountain of family. So he's a principality all on his own. So uh, it's not just that uh, we interchangeably call you know, it's not just another name for Lucifer. It is part of Lucifer's armory, uh, but it's... Um, An expression of how he yes. affects and impacts people. But in, a, in, in the battle 
um, in the story there, there is such insight. And it was, it, like you said, years ago, it was good. And we're not going to go probably into the full uh, uh, message that we've done before. But there is such insight for us now because there's, you know, there are a lot of theories on how we win spiritual battles. Is it by rebuking principalities? Is it by going to the courts of heaven? Is it by, you know, profound unity and fasting and, and how do we do it? But there's some really clear specificity for us that really makes so much more sense in today's climate. And so just because this helps lay the, the foundation for even the, the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Um, I was, Elizabeth, if you'll read 2 Corinthians 10, starting with verse 3 and just, you know, through 5. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I would encourage us to listen kind of on two levels at the same time. How does this apply, obviously, to you personally? Maybe there's some areas in your life where you, you're going to realize this is how I am being attacked. So this is how I can walk in victory. And at the same time, you know, obviously, as the body of Christ, we're looking for ways to bring change and to bring healing to our nations. And how do we have victory on, on that front of evil? No, it's really good. There is. So we're listening on both personal, levels. Yeah, micro and macro, personal, and national, or even global. Yes. Okay, here we go. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Well, you went, she went ahead and read through six. Okay. You got an extra verse there. So that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> well, there's so much packed in this and we've had conversations on this before Elizabeth, but we, I'll go into it and, and fill in as, as um, you know, as you, as you were seeing something that I wasn't, yet getting to or whatever. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Okay, that's an obvious thing. Uh, first of all, we have to realize this is the Apostle Paul speaking. He's used to co uh, commenting and speaking and writing his scriptures, uh, looking at things through this uh, grid of we're in a battle, we're a war, it's a war zone, and that's very healthy for us. And it's not just healthy, it's kind of obvious at this season, even if it wasn't that before. So he's like, okay, we're at war. We're at war with darkness. We're at war with the devil. But he's just like making it clear for them and it's clear for us. It's like we do not fight this war the same way traditional tactical wars are, are done. And so the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. So he's like, you know, we're not going to take out, for instance, as we're talking about Baal specifically, we're not going to take out Baal who may be the ruling principality over our nation, over the world, and, and we know this is who the Luciferian cult that's at the top of the seven mountains right now, that's really who they um, give their allegiance to and, and, and go after that. So we're not going to win that 
the spiritual battle through natural weapons, but it's mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. So we can pull down strongholds like a, a tower. If you look at that word, it's like their, their castle, their tower, um, casting down arguments. So that goes into immediately what our assignment becomes in order to win a spiritual battle. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So uh, just to say that again, an argument unopposed is a stronghold. That's what it's telling us. That's why there is such a battle on the mountain of media in a practical way over truth, exposing the enemy, exposing what is right, what is wrong, even today in the world we're living, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against what specifically? Knowledge of God. So this, this key of the knowledge of God, that the battle is over the knowledge of God, is a point that we, we can go all the way to the Garden of Eden, and we know that the tree that seduced humanity was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's a whole message that's good for a whole nother, another time as well. But so Satan has been using this strategy, the same strategy from the garden, an alternative knowledge here. And in that alternative knowledge, there's always a distrust of God. It comes in a seductive, twisty kind of way, just like he said to Eve, hath God said. And so in that what did he do? He did not, you know, he did not arm wrestle her and pin her to the ground. It was, you know, I'm suggesting to you this. And so there's an argument that if it's not properly opposed and it takes seed, then it produces the fruit like it did in the Garden of Eden, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. It goes into what we know is Satan's objective. He hates God. We know he hates us, but he hates God more. And so he wants to distort it. I've heard you say this many times. What, is, what would hurt the father, a father more than anything, is for his sons or daughters to be believing a lie about him because his image has been tarnished. And that's what Lucifer goes about doing. Mm -hmm. God, he really doesn't want you to have what he has. He's holding back from you, um, all these kind of things. So we see this kind of a pattern throughout Scripture, casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So we just we want that just hanging out there is that we have established for us that this spiritual battle that we're in right now is a battle that where our goal ultimately has to be to cast down lies about God. That's that's the assignment because knowledge of God is not just a, a you know spiritual concept or even verses. We know our, one of our favorite verses that Habakkuk two fourteen: the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God, of the goodness and greatness of God, as the waters cover the sea. So if that's the ultimate goal, mm -hmm. then what is Satan's plot and ploy at every turn? What does he use principalities right. for? Is to block right. knowledge of God. Now, this information, even though this was written way after Elijah, we'll say this, it's almost like Elijah takes this strategy mm -hmm. that comes from 2 Corinthians right. 10 and, and, and he applies it. Any Anything else, Elizabeth, just on those verses right there? Just to help us make the connection between how this plays out individually, personally, and how it plays out in society. Okay, so if the strongholds and the arguments that we're 
casting down spiritually, not in our flesh, um, are what we're going after, then basically everybody knows what lies about God sounds like, feels like in your own personal life. It's like, he doesn't care about you. You aren't important. You know, he's You've been rejected. It, it, yeah. yeah. If, if, if he's there at all, then he's really distant and he's just hoping you figure it out and get it right. And yeah. it's just anything that causes us to perceive him as less than he really is. And it can be as sinister as he's rejected you or as subtle as, um, you know, he's, he's a little disappointed in you because you could have hmm. done that a little better. But then those lies play out through very carnal situations. Like carnal means flesh, means human. You know, when our parents... Um, are not perfect and we experience things growing up that cause us to project that onto God. Um, when we experience any area of culture, that's not the way God originally intended it to be. You know, we go through a fear-based education experience or performance-based education experience. Um, our economic situation is unstable, all of that. Okay, so we see how that plays out individually. Those are lies. Those are strongholds in our life that we get an opportunity to overcome. And we're going to learn through what you're about to teach us how to overcome them. What it looks like in society, obviously, is broken people like us have set into motion systems and ways of doing things. It's not all the more obvious things are you know, the, we're learning the evil elite people that have partnered with Satan himself to intentionally create an agenda where, you know, our food is poisoning us and uh, our education systems are indoctrinating our children into lies, etc. That's more obvious, but the more subtle expression of that is, is, you know, decent people who just do things their best rather than the kingdom way, rather than how God would do it. And therefore we experience those areas of culture anywhere from, you know, collectively, we experience those areas of culture anywhere from, you know, you see nations in Africa where the economic systems are so infiltrated by the enemy, corruption, that they're literally starving to death, okay? Or... In, in the United States, it looks a little more subtle than that. We experience anything that we experience collectively as less than who God really is, is how it plays out in the big picture. And both fronts need to be addressed and both fronts need to be one. Yeah, and we could do that and go, and we have at other times, mountain by mountain into how that works. But we want to, um, back to this idea of taking on Baal. So there's there's two ways to think of it. Elizabeth's kind of the heart and the lies, which are really what empower the principalities. We want to talk about the principality himself, because I'm going to tell you that, you know, we've already kind of told you where we're going, but we're going to, the part I'm going to say right now could be a little bit offensive, head scratcher, what I'm going to say, but we're going to find out that this man, Elijah, he's a prophet. He is going to take down the principality and it's Baal. He's going to take the principality of Israel, he's going to take them down in one day, mm -hmm. and he's going to do so without unity, without fasting and praying, but he's going to use this key of 2 Corinthians 10 that we're talking about. 
he's going to, he's going to cast down the stronghold of the enemy and in one day he's going to be exposed and in that again it's just so much truth so the storyline um first kings 17 i'm going to read the first verse we're going to 18 but now Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Now, this it's just sort of a little side point, but it's so important for us moving forward that Elijah, he's a prophet, and he is, why, why is he doing this? Why is he, if, if you don't know the storyline yet, Ahab is married to Jezebel, you know, the famous Jezebel. She came from the Baal-worshipping nation above them, and she brought all um, all that value system, um, that religious, um, you know, setup and system into the nation. <clears throat> and so um, Elijah does not like what's happening. He does not like that this nation is turning to Baal. And so he intends to punish, to bring punishment to this nation when he says there will be no rain nor do no rain these years, except that my word, literally for three years, there is going to be no rain. And when there is no rain, probably for anybody that's problem, but it's specifically, it kills the economy. We're going to find that it throws them into a famine, actually. And so he's like, because you all are Baal worshipers, and we have to understand, like we talk about Baal worship in our nation because a tiny mi minority have been uh, assisting in the processes of abortions and going for abortions. But this was, you know, ultimately we find out there was only, you know, Elijah came to the place where he thought every single person in the nation had bowed to Baal, but only 7,000 of all of Israel had not bowed their knee to Baal. So we have an entire... Talk about a remnant. Yeah, it's, you're right. So we're, we're talking, you know, it's not... It's just so insignificant, the percentage compared to the total. So, but what's interesting here is we'll hear these things that it says, because uh, Elijah usually says, then the word, like the next verse, then the word of the Lord came to him saying, well, this first verse did not say the word of the Lord came to Ahab, to Elijah saying, go tell Ahab there's no rain. This was his own, this is our little righteous indignation thing. We get up as like, we're going to release some judgment on this place and they're going to come to the Lord. <laughs> and so, you know, three years later, chapter 18, verse 1. <laughs> and it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, the third year famine, saying, go present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab and there was a severe famine in Samaria. So the Lord basically is telling, you know, you have to be able to extract these things without it telling you pointedly. It's interesting. After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. It's like the Lord said, okay, Elijah, we went with your system. You know, bring judgment and the people repent. Well, three years later, we find that the people not only had not repented, it's like they had accelerated into Baal worship. He thought they would get the, the cue. They would get the clue that, okay, you worship Baal and you go into famine, but they they went all the more into it. They didn't get the connection. That's just an important message for us in general. We've talked about this before, is this assumption that if you release judgment on right. a place, if there's a tsunami in Indonesia, they're going to become holier in Thailand, and if 
New Orleans gets run over by Hurricane Katrina, then they're going to turn into, you know, St. New Orleans. And we find out that though we have this, uh, you know, distorted kind of Elijah virus uh, going on and it's because he was always liking to call down uh, fire and there was a time where it was right to call down fire we'll get to that in a second but that's just an important point on the side the lord essentially is about to initiate a kindness he's like listen i want you to go present yourself to king ahab who's evil he's wicked he's married to jezebel and i i intend on sending rain on the earth though you told him that accept that your word is not coming. And I went with it. You're my prophet. I'm telling you, we're now doing things my way. And so the story begins that, you know, Ahab is, is going around. He's trying to find it's the, the, the severe famine. He's trying to find water. He's trying to find grass. They're like, they're going to have to kill their livestock. And in that whole process, uh, because the Lord has told Elijah to present himself, they run into each other, verse 17 because we're going to try to hit the, the main points here for the purposes of our, our little teaching. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah, that it, Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? Now, the king considers the prophet the troubler of Israel. Why? Because the king knows that the prophet shut down the economy for three years. He killed the rain. And he answered. So then Elijah says, I'm not the troubler. I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. It becomes real clear why this all has happened. Now, therefore, send me and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. There was now 850 of these clearly false prophets, not prophets to Jehovah God, but to Baal. And so, verse 20, Ahab sent for all the children of Israel, gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel, and Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? Now again, you already know, uh, and we'll, we'll restate it again, you know where this is going. They're going to both get a chance to call down fire from heaven, essentially, Elijah's going to win it, and it's going to be a game a game changer. But the setup here is super important. The nuance of this, uh, of this interaction right now is so instructive for us today, both in the things Elizabeth's talking about, the personal, and then when we think in a bigger, in a bigger picture. Elijah now has all the people there. Now, I want you to understand, remember I've, we pointed out that Elijah is connecting now his understanding to what is revealed by Paul in 2 Corinthians 10. We're going to cast down arguments that go against the knowledge of God. Mm -hmm. And so there was, uh, um, this, this, this was priority one. I'll get into you as we, as we read. How long will you falter between two opinions, is verse 21. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Now, just so you understand what's taking place and why wouldn't the people answer a word, we have Elijah says, he didn't say, you heathen, sinning, Luciferian, you know, whatever. He just said, how long are you going to falter between two opinions? So what were the two opinions? Well, he made it clear. If the Lord God is God, if Baal is God, follow him. The people had two opinions. They were double-minded. They had, Jezebel had come and presented Baal worship 
and had rewarded those who were worshipers and prophets and ceremonies and activities and givings and sacrifices and tithes. And so the people were doing this both because that was the example from the top and they're rewarded for doing so. And yet nobody's made a clear statement against the traditional God of Israel. So they're doing both things. Maybe a tithe going uh, to Jehovah God and a tithe going to Baal. And, and so they have not even realized that this has happened to them. So this is a moment of, of recognition. He has diagnosed the reality. Y'all are double-minded. You are doing things to please God of Israel and you're doing things to please Baal. And they're like, they're stunned because they're in silence. So they answer not a word because they're like, wow, we are there. So you have to understand that Baal worship did not require you to abandon other gods. It's just that you add it to your stable of gods. And that's part of the deception of how the enemy likes to come in is just to add and open the door a little further. We'll say, you know, there's a whole another line of instruction going there, but let's get to the main part. Verse 22, then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls. Let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, lay it on the wood, put no fire under it, and I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but no fire under it. Then you will call on the name of your gods. I will call on the name of my God and the Lord who answers by fire. He is God. So he just lays it. Why don't we find out today? Remember, why don't we cast down the false argument today? Why don't we find out? There is a, an attack against the knowledge of the true God. Why don't we get this all out in the open? This is the reason why Elijah calls for all the nation to come there, because there is a need to do something in the eyes of the people. He was not going to fast 40 days. He was not going to call for the known prophets. There was 150 prophets that were hidden. They weren't going to target and do all night or three days or 40 days. And let's, let's you know, shoot bullets not literal bullets, but let's let's uh, let's target Baal and let's cast them down. Let's all get in unity saying, I rebuke you, Baal. I re Baal, you're coming down, Baal. Again, I say that because that has been a conventional methodology we have. That's been an approach that, we, that, that has been taught us and we've gone with. It's like, okay, target him directly, bring him down. But there's a reason he's not, he's not going not gonna to do that. So when he says, hey, let's find out today. Let's find out who is really God? So all the people, this is verse 24, so all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. So they were, they were in silence first because like, oh my goodness, he's just identified that we really are worshiping two gods and we're not sure who is the real God. And again, and we have to understand there's so much wisdom in this approach. Some of the things we won't even cover if you go study it on your own, you just look into it. When you go into a you know a new place and you know idolatry rules and reigns it doesn't automatically mean people are quote are evil it means they have been convinced by a lie it's the same with the idolatry you could say that eve embraced she decided to believe lucifer the serpent mm -hmm. so they believe and it usually is over the issue of provision and protection ironically so that's you know, you go around the world and wherever there's Baal or idolatry, it's because this particular idol is going to protect them and going to provide for them. The very two areas that they have been decimated in are provision and protection. And so their provision is run out. But somehow the, the lie that continues out of there is like, no, we just haven't been doing it good enough. 
We need to give better sacrifices, more extravagant sacrifices to Baal, and then this is going to happen. So, verse 25, Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first, for you are many. Call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. So they took the bull, they prepared it. Verse 26, they called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, no one answered. Then they leaped about the altar, which they had made. Now, we're going to go into some of the ritual they do for their worship, because that's what they're doing. They're worshiping Baal, and the reason they're doing these things is because they're used to getting a response when they're doing these things. Mm -hmm. But I want us to think through this visual, this picture of, think of Baal, okay, he's the principality. He's the, uh, you know, like the Goodyear blimp. He is just huge over the nation. And he has gotten puffed up with the fact that people believe in him. That's another discussion argument we had years ago with leaders in the body of Christ is, you know, are principalities powerful on their own? Or is it that their lies that are believed make him powerful? And my point was essentially the latter. Mm -hmm. um, so you, that's why there's regional principalities and they're not powerful somewhere else because in other places, you know, whatever the frog God will say in India um, and in certain regions. And, and so it's like this thing is powerful, but you bring it to somewhere else. They're like, that's ridiculous. So people don't buy into the alternative argument. When you don't buy into the argument, there's no empowering of the demon behind it. Mm -hmm. So think of this Goodyear blimp and it being all puffed up with the agreement, because again, you have 90 something percent of the people are serving him, agreeing and worship, even if they're adding to it some belief in the Lord. So think of them as the battery pack. And so they are, you know, connecting, they got their wires or electrical or whatever wires, they're connected to Baal. He's the big Goodyear blimp. And they believe in him and they are giving their power. You know, it says they're empowering. I, they're empowering. A lie. That one day we will look at Satan himself mm -hmm. and we will say, Is this he right. who deceived the nations? Why? Because when he's stripped of how he got engorged with people believing his lies, he's just, shh, he's lost it all. So, so good. look at Elijah's strategy here. Elijah's strategy, because he knows the 2 Corinthians 10 thing, you have to cast down an argument. You have to cast down a lie. He is not going to target, literally, he's not going to say, you know, I mentioned he's not going to use fasting, praying, and all that. He's not going to directly address. He's going to ignore Baal in a direct form because Baal is not the problem. The argument is the problem. The lie is the problem. And the fact that the people are giving their strength you know, you are the light of the world. We, we, we're made from, there's photons. We come from him. And so there's a literal power and light. And whatever we give our belief to, it empowers that. So they are giving their belief to this engorged Baal. And so these, when they're used to having these ceremonies, they're used to seeing some kind of response. We don't know what the supernatural thing taking place is, but there's so much unity, so much uh, um, working together that they're feeling it. But this is not happening this time. Why? Because Elijah, one man who has a relationship with God, who has his own knowledge of God, he has cast a doubt. It's a seed. He's planted in the thought of every person. He's like, I'm suggesting to you, think of him now. He's, he's speaking to the whole nation. And and because it said he, they called all the nation. We don't know how they did this, how they got the word out, but it's passing on somehow. And he's like, I am 
making a, a suggestion to you that Baal, who you think is providing for you and protecting you, that he actually has no power. That's, the, that's my contention that I'm going to prove that today. And they're like, well, if he's right, that's a big deal. That's a big deal if we're believing a lie. And so think of them as not, you know, their normal strength of belief that they just release freely to them. They're like, they're, they're not letting it, they're not, they're battery packed, they're, they're, they're pinching it. They're not allowing the energy flow to go to him. And so we have, uh, we have this reality. They're like, okay, yeah, if you really are powerful, you shouldn't need us. You shouldn't need our agreement. You shouldn't need us or anything. You should just be able to show it. Back to now verse 27. And so it was at noon. So they started in the morning. They have gone from morning till noon. Let's give an estimate of three hours that they have been crying out, Oh, Baal, hear us. They've leaped on the altar that they had made. And, and so they are being aggressive and passionate and for a long time, and there's really 850 of these characters, 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah, which go along with the same thing. At noon that Elijah mocked them and said, cry aloud for he is a God. Either he is meditating or he is busy <laughs> or he is on a journey. Perhaps he is sleeping and must be awakened. And I will tell you that, again, the translators, they were, you know, trying to be too appropriate <laughs> because it'll even tell you, uh, even in your notes, and I don't know if they did New King James uh -huh. Version, says the Hebrew originally indicates that Elijah ridiculed pa Baal for relieving himself. And so he said, I'm sure he just had a bathroom break that he had to take, so keep it up. You'll be back. And so and it was an insult. Uh, uh, you know, a backhanded insult even there because they think he's a god. And he's mm -hmm. like, okay, he's on a bathroom break. The idea that a god <laughs> would need to be on a bathroom break. So <clears throat> he is he is challenging them. Verse 28, so they cried aloud and cut themselves as was their custom with knives and lances until the blood gushed out on them. Now, what we've heard even about this Baal cult that's been ruling from the seven mountains in our present day society, this has been huge for them. They understand Baal demands uh, blood. And so they were, um, they were cutting themselves with knives and lances until the, uh, the blood gushed out on them. So they just like, we're not doing this. We're not being intent en enough. So they're doing now hours. They've gone three hours in the morning and then from the morning, they're now, uh, this is in verse 29, when the midday was passed, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. So they have gone from morning to night, intense worship, jumping, dancing, cutting themselves, prophesying all, they know all the spiritual things you do. And note, note that they just copy in an inverted, perverted way, the truth, you know, there's power in the blood of Jesus. We prophesy, we decree, we declare what he says, and they're doing their own distorted uh, version. But this is all happening in front of the people. It's a reveal that's taking place. And it says, they prophesied unto the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. I just love that line, that love <laughs> line. You have one person was able to bring this in front of everyone. He understood the problem here is really just that this argument hasn't been cast down in front of the people. And he's going to take advantage. He's like, I have a God. He knew a God who answered by fire. 
And there's two things that Elijah knew how to do. He knew how to shut off and on rain, and he knew how to shut off and on fire. That was the God that he knew. And so he's operating on his mountain. There's a whole other message. This is his mountain. Come to my mountain, Mount Carmel. There's a God I know. And for whatever mountain you have an assignment or call, that's a whole secondary point, as we're saying. There's a God that you get to know, and the God you get to know is a God you get to advance on that mountain and whether it's, you know, he's a God who provides um, in the mountain of uh, economy or the creative God. Again, the, the nuances are worth exploring. That could be at some point a whole um, a whole nother segment of this is amazing. But we're, we're getting to the good part here. Then Elijah, verse 30, said to all the people, come near to me. Notice all the times it's to all the people, to all the people, to all the people, to all the people. He asked for Ahab, get me the people. See, this is part of what we have to understand, this idea that we're just going to have victory in prayer corners or in church. This is what's happening right now in the body of Christ and around the world. We're like, we've got to show up. we gotta, we got to do things in front of people. And so that thought can be developed more and more, but we'll go on not to be distracted. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Of course, there's a 30 to 45 minute message that could be given right. on that line alone. He repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. The simple, obviously, why is the altar of the Lord broken down? Because the passion for Baal, Baal worship is being rewarded. Baal messengers, Baal prophets are the ones, you know, Elijah announces himself, I'm the only one. And there's 850 of the others. And so they have you know, the worship of God, of the true God, has not been officially abandoned, and it's still in the background in some ways, but they have, in practice, abandoned. And Elijah, verse 31, Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And then with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He made a trench around the altar, large enough to hold two seahs of seed, Again, there's 12 tribes of Israel as well. The tribe is 12 is a number of government. Any one of those things is another message. And he put the wood in order, cut the bowl in pieces and laid it on the wood and said, fill four water pots with water, pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Then he said, do it a second time. They did it a second time. He says, do it a third time. They did it a third time. So the water ran all around the water, water altar and he also filled the trench with water. Okay, there's a couple things. Again, there's this 12 number. He's establishing the government of God. There's a, it's, this is a message to the 12 tribes as well. But there is a practical thing that, you know, the false prophets, there's trickery, deceit always being used. And he's like, I want you all to see, because he's like, people come close. And I want you to see how much water. I, I didn't have some fire hidden under there at some point. You know, I'm pulling something and then, uh, you know, I you know, have some kind of stones there. that no, are No tricks involved. No tricks involved. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near. And notice who he's going to talk to. He's not going to say a word to Baal. He's not going to talk to the prophets. He's not going to rebuke the devil. The problem is not really in rebuking the devil. There's a time and place to rebuke the devil. But this, he's going after the principality of the nation. And the principality of this nation is empowered because they have believed lies. They have believed arguments against God and in favor of another God. Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known. 
Just those words right there. First four words, let it be known. He knows the problem is truth is not known. Truth is not known. A demon is always empowered by a lie, whether it's personally inside of you or whether it's at a principality level. Let it be known this day that you are God and Israel and I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me. His appeal is to God that this people may know. See, let it be known that this people may, may know. He understands the battle is about the knowledge of God, casting down arguments that conspire against the knowledge of God. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. See, this is an intervention of the kindness of God. Remember, that's why we started out this chapter. He said, okay, Elijah, we went with your system, three years of judgment. Looks like that didn't work. How about I just release rain on them and you tell them it's from me? And so there's a lie that provision comes from Baal that can be eliminated just like that. And he's going to show his kindness in order to win them over. Verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. So it's not just that his altar, you know, fire came and landed on there. It consumed everything down to the dust. It eliminated the stone. They're like, this was some kind of show. This is a video we want to watch, you know, and, and whatever heaven's, um, archive of uh, videos. For sure. We, I think we're able just to actually go there. <laughs> Verse 39, this is big punchline. Now, when all the people saw it, see, when all the people saw it, what did they see? The truth. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God, both times exclamation point. And so, We've pointed out before that that word Elias, they, they, they said also means, it could mean Elijah, Elijah. <laughs> They're either saying Elijah, Elijah, because that's what his name means, is the Lord, he is God. Goes into what the Elijah assignment is, is to reveal him, knowledge of God being advanced. The Lord, he is God. Why is it exclamation point? Because it's surprise. It's surprise. Like they have been indoctrinated. They've been told that Baal... Uh, they've been told by their leaders that Baal worship is key and they need to do a better job. And that's why there's a lack here and everything else like that. And it's like, oh my goodness, you can see this is a moment of freedom for them. This is, uh, it's not even this thing of repentance. I'm sorry for my sins. It's like, I've been following the wrong God. And so they break that, uh, they get rid of that. And, um, I, I like to get this visual, and we'll, we'll do that. I usually stand up, but I, I won't do it. But think of the 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 Goodyear blimp, but it's Baal, mm-hmm. and he's there. And as the people go, the Lord, he is God. They look at each other like, Baal is not God. So there's whoosh, disconnecting. And then we see this little tank, because there's just a little, rib, you know, little blimp of the true God, and they begin connecting here. And so whoosh, whoosh, we have knowledge of God increasing, and all of a sudden, this thing, you see Baal in one day, like the Goodyear blimp, coming totally down, deflating, and coming to nothing, where in one day, the principality of the nation is taken out, not because he had fasted enough, prayed enough, or united enough, but because he understood it's knowledge of God. The battle is always 
over the knowledge of God. It was from the Garden of Eden. It's revealed to us by Paul. This is the key to understanding mm -hmm. spiritual weaponry, both at a personal level, as Elizabeth was bringing, and at this level. Mm -hmm. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized him, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. You go, dang, that's a little severe. We wouldn't do that. No, we wouldn't do that. But that was actually, remember, this is Old Testament. That was Old Testament law. They were a covenant nation, and part of the covenant was, if there is a prophet that comes, even if what he says comes to pass, if he is leading you away from the true God, that prophet must be killed. This might be the only place where it actually tells us the prophets were killed, the false prophets that were, um, you know, standing before the people, yeah, you're going to see Baal perform today, and, and he did not. And so they were, they were executed for our purposes. Our extraction in a New Testament uh, context would be, we want to execute our attention that we give to any prophetic voice, any spiritist, anyone who calls, you know, what are the ones that talk to the dead and and, and it, it's, it's... Psychics and mediums. Anything that's away from our God, we want, we want to, you know, not execute them as an individual, but our attention to them be, be executed. But so this is, um, this is the storyline for us. This is, this is what uh, we want uh, as a pattern for us and hope, you know, that just begins to uh, assist so many of you, no matter if you're, you know, some of you are involved in ministry and going to the nations and it's like, oh my goodness. Okay, I got to approach what our assignment and how we do it in an entirely different way. We, we keep having this idea, and it's okay. There's something that works from, yes, there's going to the courts of heaven. There's a part that takes place there. There is uh, having unity, having fasting. There's a place for all these things. But where they all must go to, ultimately, mm -hmm. the components there, there's a, there's a place in time we could go into stories with it. Where it all must go at some point is exposing the lie, exposing a lie from the enemy and doing so publicly. That's why the assignment is on the seven mountains. The assignment is not becoming just holy enough in the church. We have to reveal this God of every area of society. And as we do in his nuanced perspective on every mountain, that's what allows people to think, oh my. So we don't just have to to be successful in Hollywood, it's not just making some kind of arrangement with the Illuminati and with the demons, and therefore we get prospered. So our God must be revealed mountain by mountain. This is our assignment. This, These are the powerful weapons that are available to us. So Elizabeth, any so, closing thoughts so there? So good, so good. I, it's all, that's just one of my most favorite teachings that you do because it's it's so incredibly relevant, and it just to me it sums up the heart of what we call the Seven Mountain Message. But more importantly, it's the heart of the kingdom. Like when we talk about heaven coming to earth and and showcasing the kingdom here we're not, we're not just trying to make the world utopia. Like there, that's not the goal. We already have a utopia. We have heaven. The goal is bringing the King's ways, the kingdom here so that the people will know the Lord is God so that, that they can experience the truth in the face of the lies that the enemy Satan has promoted about God. 
It's, it's so simple. This war zone that we've been born into is so simple. And I think we're really prophetically, we're in this moment right now. We really are. We're in an Elijah moment. It's um, this whole bail thing. I think more so than we can wrap our minds around right now, but I think it's going to become more common knowledge in the months and years to come. Yeah. The history yeah. of literally of Baal worship. And I think in the church, we've almost had this fascination with Jezebel, you know, and Jezebel is just a little expression of it, but the real, mm -hmm. you know, the, I don't want to say the heart because there's no heart in the enemy, but the heart behind this face of the enemy is to, to bring death. I mean, even the process of them cutting themselves. And I think about just even, you know, the children in our generation mm -hmm. that have um, struggled with, with pain so much that, that they've been deceived by the enemy. This lie that if I can just bleed, if I can just feel this kind of pain, it will lessen the, the ache of my heart. Mm. And if the enemy can't take them out in one way through abortion, through literal child sacrifice, what we're waking up to is human trafficking and children that have been trafficked and ritualistically abused, ritualistically sacrificed. Yeah. Like this is going to become more um, black and white in yeah, our generation. Yeah. And it was then, it just went underground. Yeah. This is the same enemy, the it's, same it's way the of same deception. One. He's just gone underground with it. Yeah. And specifically targeted our children. And I just, just something in me, you know, you, you say this and on your intro and in, to Elijah streams mm -hmm. every week, they have your voiceover yeah. where you're saying the awakening is for our generation. Yeah. Uh, how do you say it? And the awakening is for the children. No, uh, basically the awakening is for the children. And it, it is, it is for the our children. The pain is for the awakening. The awakening is for, for our the children. children. And um, I don't know, just a few loose ends yeah. that I kind of was thinking about. This is a little, I don't know, maybe weird to some of y'all, but we watched um, a documentary. I don't remember what it was called about Joe Rogan. Do you remember what it was called? He's a, a patriot and he's someone that is very like charismatic. And Are we sure we're talking? Was it not Joe Rogan? Who am I thinking of? He's a controversial figure, but we'll go ahead and bring it up. We don't know if we're... Yeah. You're talking about Alex Jones. Alex Jones. I got That's the wrong name. The, I, was I going... had the wrong name. That's another controversial figure. Okay. Alex Jones. Alex Jones is also a patriot. He's somebody that loves our nation, and he's just super, like, um, uh, charismatic and intense and passionate. Well, I wasn't and... saying... Not to interrupt, but yeah. I wasn't saying Joe Rogan's controversial. I was saying... Alex, Alex Jones. Jones I just named the wrong person. I meant to say Alex Jones yeah. from the beginning. Yeah. So we watched a documentary about Alex Jones. And going to yeah, that Bohemian was, Grove in yes. San Francisco area. And Alex Jones, um, in that documentary, they show it's I I recommend you watch it, honestly. It's just it's he's in a he's a figure in our generation that has an important voice. He's provided awakening for many. And whether you agree with 
everywhere. the way he says things or or what he says I'm not I'm not saying that I'm just saying he's an important voice but in that documentary they show some footage where he and his friend years and years ago snuck into an area in California called the Bohemian Grove it's a real place really exists and Evidently, there's no one else that's ever like been able to get in there, sneak in there, who wasn't supposed to be in there, and sneak sneak footage. And the footage is of this ritualistic. Um, it's it's supposedly a play. He didn't get close enough to see if it was actually real or not, but at, at minimum, they were acting out this whole scene, and they do it evidently every year as a ritual, and all the. Um, compromised, elite, famous yeah. of the tops of the mountains go and attend this and together it's as a sacrifice one ceremony, right? during this ceremony they put all of their negative energy, their bad choices, they don't know to call it sin, but they, they put it onto this supposedly pretend child who is then sacrificed in front of them, which Again, it's hard to say if it, if it's real or if it's just a play that they're acting out. Either way, it's, it's horrible. horrible, it's horrific, it's wrong in every sense of the word wrong. My point is, this same evil that was so in their face back then is, is just below the surface here. And that's a big part of what this grand reveal is all about. Yep. This is what we have been waiting on for the last several years as we've slowly awakened by brave voices who have dared to tell us the truth at the risk of looking crazy and sounding like they're, you know, conspiracy theorists or whatever. And and we're, we're in the process of these things being revealed. But and it has never... Well, What's big, Elizabeth, is mm -hmm. we can think of like, oh, so it came back. No, it has never been exposed and revealed that this, that this not only has not been exposed, revealed, not even in Jesus' time. You know, his focus was, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against them. He didn't target this stuff. It was all going around around, uh, around him and the nations all around at that at that time. And it was, then it, Part of the way it would hit would be in elite circles, mm -hmm. and but it's existed and grown to such a point where literally, like ninety nine percent of the nations of the world have been run by those. They're not even allowed to the tops of the mountains, the places of influence, unless they are these worshippers of Baal, sacrificers of you know of human sacrifices and other things like that. But yeah. So my mind's going in two kind of different directions. One is this idea that we're born into a war zone. You know, there's a part of me, it's like the more your knowledge of God does grow, you're like, wait a second. He created Satan. So he can uncreate Satan. And so is there really a war? Like, is there really a war between God and Satan? Like, but when you think about God's wisdom to put into motion free will and free choice and to even create Lucifer from the beginning, he's all-knowing, so he had to know that eventually this could happen. So nothing surprises God. Yes, there is a real war, but when you explain how it's our belief that empowers the enemy— you realize, okay, there is real power there. Mm -hmm. There truly is a war. 
it's not a war in that, oh, I wonder who's going to win. I wonder who's really stronger. Like God could overstep his own boundary that he put in place for himself of free will, Mm -hmm. but he withholds himself from doing that. And I mean, that's power in and of itself to restrain your own power for the sake of intimacy and knowledge of God and of each other. Like his ultimate goal is that he would have relationship with us for all of eternity. And that cannot take place outside of us going through a process where we literally get to choose or not choose him. And so it's like the enemy who doesn't have power in and of himself, but he does have power because we've given it to him through our belief and our deception and our how we've been deceived by him. That has empowered him and he's taken advantage of this this playing field, this war zone that God has allowed to exist by going against what you said from the beginning, the very goal that God had set up, which is the knowledge of God filling the earth. Okay, well then the enemy says, then I will do everything in my power on the earth to to withhold the knowledge of God Mm -hmm. and actually promote lies about him. Um, So I don't know, that just kind of helped me address that issue of you know, power and what kind of power the enemy does hold. One other quick thing, or did you want to make a comment on that first? No, this um okay. So I was listening to this guy that we started listening to this week, the the new guy, I forget what his handle is on um I can put a a, a link in the description here, but do you remember is he he goes by SG Anon or something like that. Something yeah. like that. I'll put a link. Anyway, it's a, a guy that is on Telegram, and he, he he's clearly, if you listen to one or two of his audios, he's clearly in the know about things that are happening behind the scenes in our nation. And one of the things that he talks about, um, and I don't think you've gotten to this point in the video that I watched, but he talks about how Um, the enemy in our generation has been very intentional about using media and the education system um, and entertainment to um, mind control us, to cause us to come into agreement and believe in things without us even realizing that we're doing it. And part of some of the things that they accomplish in the in in history some of the things they've accomplished their belief system as luciferian worshipers their belief system is that and it's a religion for them that they can't do things that we don't agree with so that's why you look at a lot of the things we've been entertained with and you look back and you see they were telling us yeah not all along just what they were going to be doing slightly corrected not okay. that we don't agree with Think they have to tell us first. And in the telling, if we don't rise up at the moment of them telling, that means we've given them implicit permission to, to do it. And and subtly, when you are entertained by something or you hear it enough over and over and over again, it becomes your new normal. It becomes your normal. Like the whole, um, you know, accepting that there are multiple genders and that kind of thing. It's just, it's, it's in our face right now, but for years it's been slowly being introduced to us and without us realizing it. 
as a society, we've bought into it. Not everyone, but just generally speaking, as a society, we've bought into it. And this guy that, that I was listening to, he talked about how intentional that is, but he talked about how there is um, a lot of it is fear-based. For sure. So at minimum fear of, well, I don't want to be normal. I mean, I don't want to be abnormal. I don't want to, I don't want to think differently than other people think. I don't want to, you know, believe differently than other people. So it's that peer pressure. It's, it's a form of fear. And he said how part of the reason why this big reveal has taken as long as it has is he said, we could have wrapped this up faster. The team that is working with Trump could have wrapped this up faster, but, but we needed to have to be able to prove. I heard this part. Yeah. We needed to be able to, to, unwind the damage that has been done in our oh. belief system and the things that we oh, believed, yeah. therefore I'm adding this to it, and therefore empowered that unplugging that you're talking about. It's like happening right now, and it's been happening over the last couple of years. Like he talked about, for example, um, Biden being in his position and how if he hadn't been in the position that he's been in and caused some pain and confusion, it we wouldn't have had the opportunity to get free of that mind control that we have slowly, slowly, slowly as a generation bought into. And he said how confusion is a tactic that that the the good guys are using right now and have used the last couple of years because confusion, unlike fear, engages your logical processing. It's kind of the fog of war. And so then there becomes like, okay, what is going on here? Yes. Yeah, so when you stop because you're confused, it interrupts the fear pattern and fear is fight or flight. And you're, you yeah. just, you know, once you're truly afraid, you just react. You don't think you yeah. react and how, when, when they have allowed things to happen that have brought confusion that causes to question, we engage the logical process. Well, look at this here. I actually wrote this down when you very, when you first preached this message the very first time, which was years ago. I took notes in my Bible, and one of the things that you said was um, in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, where it says, casting down arguments. So the weapons of our warfare are for casting down arguments. You said that arguments are wrongfully based logic. Wrongfully based logic. So here you even see with um, this spiritual battle that's taking place with Elijah and the false prophets of Baal, he's engaging their logic. They've been afraid because you said, you know, there's this whole thing of we get in a vulnerable position and we get, um, we take a buy-in to idolatry when we could look and go, that's no, I mean, who would ever worship a frog God or who would ever cut themselves and think that that's going to produce anything. Mm. But yet we as a generation have bought into some, some idolatry. We've allowed the knowledge of other things to replace the knowledge of God. That Mm -hmm. is idolatry. Mm -hmm. It's a form of idolatry. And it was what made them vulnerable is you said is their need for provision and their need for protection. Mm -hmm. And you get afraid when you don't feel like you're going to be provided for and you're going to be protected. And so that's, that's exactly what we have just been through Mm -hmm. the fear related to COVID, the, 
the fear related to all that's happening in our economic system throughout the last several years and right now and the fear, you know, the the date that we're, what's today's date? We're on um, November 1st, right? November 1st. So you're not seeing this till a few days later. Who knows what's happening week by week. But as of right now, they're saying we're going to run out of diesel fuel by um, a couple of weeks. <laughs> and, and so it's, again, it's pushing people into the corner where their fear kicks in and all we can do is react. But the the part of the strategy here that I think you uncovered, and, and there's so many important lessons in this, the strategy of overcoming um, this, this bail principality that is still existing in our generation, the part of the lesson is um, is engaging the opposite, the wrongfully based logic with correct logic. Mm -hmm. And it's not... It's not, he didn't make them all heady. He didn't sit them down and say, well, let's have a conversation. No, he engaged their logic. And so I think that's part of it is, is giving ourselves permission to ask questions. So where you see lies that have come up in your own heart and life, ask God the hard questions. Don't run from God and ask the wrong people those questions, but ask the Lord those questions. That's what... Elijah did. He brought this all into the presence of God. He brought, he helped them identify the question. Then he brought their question and them into the presence of God. That's what we do to overcome our individual lives, lies that we have been tempted to believe. But it's the same thing on the bigger front. So we started by talking about how important it is to look at this through both lenses for you personally and for us you know, as, as the body of Christ right now, we can overcome the fear that exists right now that is holding people back in, in, in the world and dominating and making them vulnerable by helping um, give them permission and even initiate the questions for them. And yet in the pulpits right now, most of our pastors are afraid to ask the hard questions right now. Mm -hmm. They won't ask the hard questions. That doesn't mean we can't. Wherever you are in your area of influence, help people ask the hard questions. You don't even have to have the answer for them. Just, just dare them to ask God. Dare them to ask, um, you know, I think that's, that's so crazy how that's just playing out. And right now, we're in a transfer of, people that have asked questions for years being labeled as conspiracy theorists yeah transitioning to actually being heroes and being patriots and being ones who are um, being yeah. used by God to confront evil yeah so there's two kind of different things going on right right there you're speaking into because this it's it once again establishes the importance and why the enemy would first take media and understand that we have got to run the narrative here because our narrative, if we can impose that, it will literally, since they're our religion, they're religious people, they believe this empowers their bail. And so that is what's taking place in a practical um, way at, at this time where they have, you know, uh, taken taken over and they're the ones that actually produced, in, you know, the, the platforms of Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and everything else. And so out of that, they 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 they're able to 
uh, not bring this divine logic into the picture because it is a logic. It's part of the part I was going to say. It's it's a logic, but we want to understand the part with Elijah. Is it? It's a spiritual component that comes in. It's not just we'll say left brain logic. No, you're right. appealing to the spirit of a person. You're calling them into truth, but it is going very practical. Something that can be understood left brain or right brain, whether it's the linear or the other, it's like, okay, would you like to find out today who really is God? Mm-hmm. And um, what a what an opportunity that was. And of course, the key was a prophet who actually knew how to reveal the God of power. And that, that becomes uh, something that's put on us. We don't just carry, this is where I'm trying to end with this, is mm-hmm. we don't just carry logic. We don't just carry ideas we have to on the seven mountains if we think through that we have to carry him we have to carry presence he is the ultimate victorious one the conqueror on every mountain with his presence and he reveals himself in different ways to different people and that's the one way we know that that elijah knew confidently he was going to encounter god because he already knew that god you got to showcase the God you know, not just yes. the ideas you know. The ideas are, are part of the process, That's right. That's but so especially good. when it's principality for for the whole thing. So so good. I love that. Hey, quick question: Didn't you write about this in one of your books? I well, feel like we did. Or in or the Rainbow God, there's some aspect of it. I know in the in the notebook. Um, it's in there as far as, you know, there's a notebook that came with, I don't know if we have any of these available. I don't think we have them available. Oh, people. the workbook. The workbook. Mean. Yeah. That's, that's so, going to be reprinted, reproduced. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, if we find out where that is, then we'll put that in the link, but it may not exist. I feel like I wrote about it in, in a forward in one of the books, but. Um, I don't think so. Okay. But we do write so much and do things that at some point. <laughs> well, it's also know. been a while. Yeah. Well, all right. So good. And do you want to just pray yeah. over people and yeah, where they are right now with dealing Lord, with fear? Yeah. Lord, we just thank you for this clarity that from, from you, Lord, from the scriptures on how we overcome the enemy, mm-hmm. how he comes in. He comes in with an alternative knowledge. He comes in with a counter knowledge, a counter perspective, a counter logic to your logic. And as we buy into it, we lose we lose power. We lose the battle. And Lord, so much of his key, the entirety of his key, Lord, he operates on really simple precepts. And, and one of them is fear. And really the entire uh, operation of Baal worship is based on fear. And there is either going to fall out of favor with the people who also worship Baal in a practical way. It's how people in the seven mountains uh, they they operate as like, well, I need to please kind of the masters of this mountain, so we'll go that way. Or even those that are there in that capacity as the overlords, they look to their Lord Baal as the one that they have to please. Such a different operating system, such a different kingdom dynamic than yours, where you lead us with love. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you're a God who works with our free will and and you invite whosoever will, but there's no imposing. And so, Lord, just thank you at this time for all those who are listening for even um, going to the root of, of, of things uh, having to do with fear and exposing that and allowing them to be set free. Lord, just this new knowledge of you and who you are, and what you're doing, 
allowing them to be set free from that. Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing in our, our whole nation, in the world itself, where you're exposing Baal, bringing down Baal. There are the natural components of this. There's natural information that has to get out. And those who uh, who get out this information, it's really a knowledge of good and of God, that it begins to dispossess the enemy as well. And we just say, Lord, let Baal be fully exposed. Let Baal fully come down in our day, in our time, at this time, Lord, in our nation, and for a freedom, unprecedented freedom on planet Earth. We just thank you for what you're doing, Lord. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next time on Up for Discussion. Up for discussion.